It's hard to forget when you've received the perfect present, isn't it? And there's no season like Christmas to remember. When the scripture speaks about what joy comes to our lives because of the gift, it uses words like this. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. It's a joy that's unspeakable and then full of glory. That's how one writer says it. Another one says that it's peace that surpasses human understanding. In another place, Paul says, um, love that never fails. So we've been waiting a while for this. The countdown has been on, and now the night has come, and it's Christmas. So I got to say, Feliz Navidad, Feliz Natal, Merry Christmas. And as soon as I say that and we speak about the joy, it occurs to me in my experience as a pastor that probably not everybody is in the same kind of happy place tonight. You know that, um, that scene at the brick wall where Charlie Brown is talking to Linus and he says, um, he says, I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I think that was out before Elvis. I'm not sure if Elvis sang Blue Christmas first or if that came first and then later, but we all know what it means to have a blue Christmas, don't we? Last year, sociologist Corey Keyes summarized the entire nation, the dominant emotion of the entire nation with a single word, languishing, languishing. The word is the opposite of flourishing. And it, it, it means um, symptoms of burnout, exhaustion, stagnation, and stuckness. It's like even though you're trying hard to make something happen and, and get on with it, move upward, that you just feel like stuck, like you're just spinning your wheels no matter what you do. And that was this word, <laughs> that was before the midterm elections. That was before the current economic crisis. That was before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And, um, and it was before your team was eliminated in the World Cup. So you, oh, I'm sorry, you came for joy tonight, right? What's with the downer? Okay, here's my point. Recently, my daughter, Corey, sent us a photo of the family nativity they have set up in their home. And, you know, Mary and Joseph are there and the baby Jesus and all the gang and the animals and the angel is there. And then after they had it all set up, our brilliant grandson, four years old, Cedar, he knew there were just two things that needed to be added. One was an on-ramp to the nativity. So there's more accessibility, right? And then another one was a tower. The angel wasn't high enough, so... Cedar needed to stack his blocks up so that, you know, we could be high and lifted up. And leader, Lisa looks at that, and she says, that'll preach, Bill. And, you know, I act like I know what she's talking about. Oh, yeah, and then I'm thinking, i got to go figure this out. You know, what is, what is she seeing? Uh, like, I knew what she meant, but I had to figure it out. And so here's what I came up with. That truly, sometimes Christmas does seem inaccessible. You know, it's like we know the first century story. You know the story. 
You know the characters. You know what's going on here. But the, the pressing concerns of 21st century life with all of the stresses and the uh, issues, they just seem a lot more real and a lot more relevant to what, what really matters, don't they? It's like, okay, nice story, first century, 21st century life, not quite so nice in the same way. And so I'm thinking that maybe having an on-ramp could be helpful because we don't always see it, especially if we're having one of those Charlie Brown days where the despondency, and you start realizing, well, hey, what, you know, they're singing about joy, but I don't, I'm not feeling it. Singing about peace, but you know, moments of despondency set in. So what I wanna to suggest tonight, and by the way, if you're a guest with us, thank you so much for coming. Uh, what that means to me, if, if you're a first-time guest with us especially, what that means is that somebody cared enough about you to want you to experience this with them. And they probably had to have some courage to ask you that out of their concern and their care, their courage rose up. And then if you accepted, oh my goodness, you know, that took some courage to show up to a different place with a friend. That means you care about them too. And so what I want to say to you is thank you for honoring us with your presence tonight. And that we have been praying for you, for every person who is attending in all of our experiences this Christmas Eve and to everybody who is joining us online. That if you can't be in this house, we're so glad that you've invited us to join you in your house and we invite God's blessing to meet you there as well. Whatever it is that you're feeling or not feeling as the case may be tonight. But I want to invite you to listen in to Matthew's gospel and maybe hear the story for the first time again. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came to be. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Well, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home with you to be your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then Matthew kind of macros out of the situation and this is what he says. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through his prophet, the virgin will be with child, she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Okay, and there's the connection. Emmanuel. I'm, now I'm back to Cedar's on-ramp. You know what that is? That's a reminder of what theologians call the eminence of God. What does that mean? Eminence is the act or condition of being entirely with something, entirely within something. And Christmas says that God, Emmanuel, 
Matthew says this is happening before our very eyes. Isaiah had predicted it 700 years before, and now Matthew says, oh, it's happening right here in front of our eyes. God's eminence is coming to be with us right here, not coming up from below, but coming down from above, not from us, but from God on high, which brings me back to Cedar's tower with the angel. You know, the angel needs to be higher to remind us of what theologians call the transcendence, the transcendence of God. It's the fact or condition of being beyond our natural limitations, beyond what we experience typically as what's nature and what's real in nature. So God's existence beyond our understanding on a higher level. And then what the New Testament says is that the reason this happened is because God was inviting us to life on a whole other level, inviting us to a higher experience of his glory. In fact, Luke's gospel says the shepherds heard the angels, the dark sky bursts with this angel's light, glory to God in highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The transcendent God has become eminent in Jesus Christ. Why? To bring peace and favor to the people of this world. What kind of people? People who are languishing. People who are giving it all they've got, but nothing's moving. People who are trying as hard as they can, but it's not measuring up to their expectation. People who are wondering if they're supposed to be feeling something and they're not really feeling it and wonder if something's wrong and people like us, people like Charlie Brown, people who somehow know that something's just not right. People who know what blue Christmas means. (coughs) Excuse me. Before our first uh, worship experience this Christmas Eve, two people came to me separately. Another one came to me this evening. Just unsolicited. You know what they wanted to talk about? A loved one who's not with them. Maybe separated by distance, maybe separated by death, maybe separated by circumstance, but there's something about this season of love and joy and peace and celebration that makes the absences feel even larger, right? People who know what it means to be experiencing an imperfect world an imperfect world with imperfect people and imperfect situations and imperfect history. If you study it, whatever nation, whatever person, whatever life, imperfect history and an imperfect reality. And to this broken, imperfect experience that we call our life in this world, here's what the Christmas story says. You came to for the Christmas story, right? It says that what did God do with that imperfect world? He said, I'm gonna give them the perfect present. This is the Christmas story. How do you give a perfect present? Well, first, it takes time and thought. You, think of, you take time to think about the loved one that you're wanting to give the perfect present for. What do they like? What do they want? What do they need? What would make a difference for them? How could you help them feel love? And after you've taken the time and the thought and you say, oh, this is it, then you start saying, well, how much is it gonna cost? Can I afford it, right? And then you try to figure that piece out. Did you know the scripture says that God did the same thing? The scripture says that before The cosmos was even created. He had chosen us to be loved by him. Before he said, let there be light, he decided he would be love for us. And then it says that we were, that before the foundation of the earth was laid, 
that Christ was slain as the lamb on our behalf. And then the scripture unfolds through the ancient history of the Hebrew prop, the patriarchs and then the prophets all through the timeline of history right up to the time when Jesus was born of Mary. God gave time and thought to fulfill, to say this would be the perfect present, but then what did he have to do? Can I pay for it? And the scripture says that he decided to cover all costs. That God releases equality with divinity. This is a great mystery. But pours himself into a human body to become a servant. That word means to belong to somebody else. (laughs) You ever want to just belong to somebody? And this says that God, responding to a longing to belong to those he loves, poured himself into a human body so that, why? Well, one reason theologians say is so that he could die. God couldn't die, and God knew that sin was separating us from him, and so that barrier had to be removed, and so he took on a human body so that he could die. He could remove the barrier of sin, and he takes his death, our death, upon himself, and so he comes to the cradle on his way to the cross. That's the story, that Jesus was in Bethlehem because the cross outside Jerusalem was coming, and he was saying, I'm gonna pay for the whole thing, and it costs him everything. It says God empties himself. God empties his wallet to be able to cover the cost of your sin, of my sin, and bring peace. So the bottom line here is that God loves you. Why is there a Christmas? Because God loves you and he wants a personal relationship with you. He wants you to be in personal relationship with him as family, spiritual family. Now, if you ask my mother, every year we ask her, her, we three kids, what do you want for Christmas, mother? You know what she says? Oh, I just want us all to be together as family. You know? Every year she says the same thing. So I was in a gift shop the other day and I saw uh, a little, uh, what, a house decorative item. It says this, the best gift around the tree is a family wrapped in love. And I thought of my mother. And then I thought about this story and I thought about this message and I thought, you know what, God, once you've found the perfect gift and you've decided you can pay for it, then you've got to wrap it well right? Because sometimes the way you wrap it speaks the language of the person you're giving it to. If you give it to my four-year-old grandson, you want to wrap it like Spider-Man. If you give it to my eight-year-old grandson, it's going to be wrapped in Minecraft. You know, the wrapping matters. How did God wrap his gift so that he would know it's for us? He wrapped it in Christ. He wrapped it in a human being. He wraps it in a human body. And then he says he's going to be a high priest. What does that mean? A high priest had to be a human male who had experienced life as a human being, who had gone through the tests and faced the temptations and and took on the burdens and knew the struggles so that they could be understanding as they represented before God. And the scripture tells us that Jesus Christ was that high priest who took on humanity so that he could know every limitation we face, that he could feel every weakness that we endure, that he could know what it's like to be hungry and tired and disappointed and everything else that goes with being a human being. And then he wraps himself as one of us and then offers himself as the gift. Here's a question for you. If a gift, is a gift really a gift if it's not ever given? My answer is no. You know, like if you look through your closet or under your bed and you, you found a 
something that was all wrapped and had a nice bow on it. And I guess you'd stuck it back there and you overlooked it. And is that a Christmas gift? No, not really. Because though you gave thought to its purchase and you paid for it and you wrapped it, you never gave it. So is that a gift? No, not really. To be a gift, for a gift to be a gift, is this true? It's got to be given. It's got to be gifted, we say. So here's what happens in the Christmas story. Did you come to hear the Christmas story? This is what God was up to. He came to gift the gift, the perfect present. He pays for it in full himself. He covers all costs, and then he wraps it in himself, and then he comes in Jesus Christ into our war zone imperfect world to give it personally, our imperfect world where people lie and they keep on lying, and where people steal, and they keep on stealing, and they, people cheat, and they keep on cheating. People get hurt. People hurt other people, and they just keep on hurting. This kind of world, not the make-believe world. I mean the real one, the 21st century world, too, where people hurt each other. You know, I was talking to my friend Pat Henderson, and she reminded me of a Christmas Eve, true story, Christmas Eve at her house, where a friend was driving by her house, Pat was away from the house, friend was driving by, saw the front door open, truck outside, strange truck, and, uh, and thought something's not right here. So she gets out, goes inside the house, and as she's going in, the burglars are just leaving with the last gift that was under the tree on Christmas Eve. And they ran out to the truck and took off down the road, and then the friend's daughter followed them to get the license plate and all the rest. But all I'm telling you that story is, is like, now every gift, she was hours away from her family arriving, Every gift had been thoughtfully selected, the perfect present, right? And then carefully wrapped. And now every one of them, you know, ripped off. So I said, what'd you do? She said, well, I went down to Walmart, Walgreens and I got gift cards those, and those cute little boxes that you can put them in and I put them all under the tree. That's our imperfect world full of imperfect people. Now, that somebody's thinking, oh, that was a Grinch stole Christmas. No, 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 that wasn't a Grinch. Grinch is make-believe. You know what, this, this is real people. This is the real world. This is not a cartoon character. These are, this is human selfishness, where pride and greed and lust and disrespect keep messing with life. You know, why is the world in such need? You know what the Christmas story says? There's a sin problem. Why is the world in such a mess? It says because there's a sin problem. You're going to name him Jesus, which means the one who comes to save us from our problem that just keeps messing with us and shows up in the headlines every day. Such a mess, human imperfection. How does God deal with an imperfect world? He does it through Christmas. What does he do? He offers the perfect present. And he comes in Jesus Christ to be with us, <laughs> to give himself to us, and then offer himself for us as the perfect present from the manger of Bethlehem. He goes to the cross of Calvary. From beyond us, God brings to us what we could never do for ourselves, and he makes it Emmanuel. God with us to make peace. We're not alone. The mess, the war that you're facing, you're not alone. Prince of Peace in a war zone 
world. Now, may I remind you of one of the strangest but true Christmas stories that ever happened? It was Christmas Eve, 1914, World War I on the Western Front. And one of the British soldiers that was there, I mean, they're right here and right there, and in the middle is no man's land, and they're in the trenches. And it's a cold, muddy, frigid night, and they're shivering. And one of the British soldiers, around 10 o'clock that night, Christmas Eve, hears some noise coming from the enemy camp. And then starts making out, is that singing? And the next thing you know, the, the British are singing because it's a song they know, and they're singing in English what they're hearing in German. And... Uh, and suddenly they hear a shout from the other side, this thick German accent, but speaking English saying, come over here. And a sergeant says back, you come halfway, I come halfway. And what happened next made history. But rather than me tell you about it, why don't we watch it? Jenkins, I'm clean. No. My name is Jim. My name is Otto. Pleased to meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. Um, it's schön. Um, it's schön.
Happy Christmas. Frohe Weihnachten. unbelievable yes but the thing is it happened some may believe that really happened no man's land became a soccer field you know what usually happens is they exchange bullets barbed wire but this time they were exchanging gifts and kind words and songs and stories and yes there was a soccer game <laughs> England won, <laughs> one to nothing. Diaries from soldiers who were there testified to what we just saw. That's where they got the story. They were in the trenches, there was a ceasefire, there was a spontaneous truce that happened and, and there was a soccer game. Christmas day. 1914, that war raged on for another four years and ultimately took 15 million lives. But for one magic moment, <laughs> there's a uh, memorial in England now that was dedicated 100 years after that, 2014, of a soccer ball, a football, with handshakes across the line to remember the truce, the Christmas truce of 1914. How did that happen? How did that happen? Peace in the presence of my enemies. No man's land becomes a soccer field. How does that happen? Well, somebody reached out. Somebody responded. Both somebodies and more took the risk to enter the danger zone and showed the courage to let the gift of Christmas peace have a chance. See, a gift to be a gift, you know what? It's gotta be given, and, but there's, also, there's a little more, isn't there? The gift has got to be received. Because if the gift isn't received, then the experience isn't perfect. We're talking about the perfect present. Is that right? Is that how it is at your house? Christmas day, gift has your name on it, you got to, oh, for me, then you, you receive it, is that how it works? Let me tell you another story, strange but true, another strange but true story, Elizabeth Barrett, she was born in a difficult family, her father was a controlling, domineering man, and uh, for some unknown reason, he forbade his children from ever getting married. At 15, Elizabeth contracted some kind of mysterious ailment that hurt her brain and her spine, and she suffered from it for the rest of her life, and for a time, she had to be confined, and at 15, during that confinement, she discovered a love for poetry, and she started reading it and writing it, and maybe you recognize her name now. She became a famous writer, Elizabeth Barrett. She became popular and attracted the attention of another poet, Robert Browning, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. This is her story. She fell in love with Robert. She ran off with him. They married in secret and then moved to Italy. When her dad found out about it, you know what happened? He disowned her. For the next 10 years, 
She tried and tried to mend that relationship and she polished her writing and she crafted these incredible poetic letters to him and she wrote repeatedly and never received a single response. Until finally, one year before her father's death, she receives a box in the mail from him and she's excited. She opens it up only to discover every single letter that she had ever written was in the box still unopened. Love letters from a heart in search of reconciliation, but ignored, rebuffed, rejected, unopened. Now today, those letters are published and they're considered some of the most beautiful writings in classical English literature. Some of you probably studied them when you were in school. But how tragic that they were never read by the one for whom they were written. Some doors, this is how imperfect humans can be. Some doors are locked from the inside. And that man, her father died, never knowing her love for him through the writings that she had offered. And of course, you know that true love can't be forced, right? If you force it, then it's fake. It's not true love. But true love is a gift that can be offered but the joy of that gift, even if it's a perfect gift, will not be experienced if it's never received. Is that right? God's Christmas love is that kind of gift. God has given us the perfect present in Christ, but if you don't receive the present, you know what? You won't experience it. Is this too straight? I mean, it's a gift, it's got your name on it, but if you don't receive it, if you lock it up, if you say, well, no, not for me, if you won't have it, it's possible for you to even die and not receive the gift and not know the love that was intended for you to have. You can literally shut God out of your life, just like Barrett closed the door on his daughter. And then, suffer the consequences from that point forward. That's how humans are. Which brings me back to my grandson's nativity on-ramp. What occurs to me is this. People like us in a world like this, sometimes we all need a little help from our friends. Sometimes when we're not feeling quite what's right and we don't exactly know how to go or how to get there, it doesn't hurt to have a friend come along and say, Here's the way. It's not unusual to need a little lift could get to the next level in life, is it? Because life hurts. And hearts can get hard and go numb. And in a world of imperfections, with imperfect people, it's not it's, well, let me say it this way. It's easy to not believe in miracles, right? Almighty, infinite God pours himself into a human body and a little baby and comes in Bethlehem? Yes. 
Yes, that's the story. You want the Christmas story? There it is. And they saw it with their eyes. And he wasn't just a baby. He grew to be a man. He did miracles. He put his life on the line for people in need, imperfect people like me and you. And then he goes to a cross. They put him in a grave. The grave can't hold him. He rises from the dead. And we say, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Have you received the gift? This is the Christmas message. Could God really become human and then come here and in our story so that he could get to you this night in your story? Yes? Let me ask you this. Could a bloody war that's taking millions of lives be put on hold because of a Christmas song about this baby and this gift? Yes, the answer is yes. Sounds unbelievable, but it's true. Okay, here's the next question. Could God restore love in your relationships? Could God breathe fresh life into the hard place in your heart? Could God restore healing that would bring feeling back into the battle zone that you're facing right now? Yes. Hope for a future, yes. But it all begins. Listen, the perfect present has got to be given, but it's also got to be received. It all begins when you receive the gift. The scripture says the wages of sin is death. Our imperfections take their toll, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, quality of life. So what's the message of Christmas? Receive the gift. Have you received the gift? Have you opened the gift? Are you using the gift? Are you letting the gift have you? This is the question of Christmas. How do you receive the gift? Well, let me ask you, how do you receive gifts in Christmas? You look, you see if it's got your name on it, they say, oh yeah, it's for you. You go, oh, for me? Yeah, and so then you act like it is, right? You believe that it's for you, and then you act like it's for you. you Step forward in faith and unwrap it and then open yourself to it. That's, what's ha- that's how you respond to Jesus Christ too. And then once you respond, you go, oh, this is just my size. Don't I look good in it? You know, I mean, you, act, you own it as your own. This is the same way you respond to Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying right now. Maybe it's you. Please listen if it is. How do you respond to the love of God when your heart is hard and cold? How can you receive the gift? You believe first. You believe that God did all of this for you. For me, yes. You just believe it. Believe it. And then secondly, you act like it. You open yourself to open the gift and take the step of faith to say, come into my life. And then you own it and start sharing that love with others. In... uh, In the upper corner of our screen, we've seen this image throughout the series and tonight. This empty heart represents a life lived in hardness that goes numb and then ultimately reflects an emptiness that comes from it. When whatever we try to fill our lives with isn't enough. But when, when we respond to the perfect present of God, He brings the love of his family into your life. 
So I don't know what might be causing you to keep your distance or your guard up tonight. Maybe something, a choice that you've made. You know, Elizabeth Barrett's father did that all by himself. He made that choice. Maybe there's a choice you're making that is keeping the gift away. Can I invite you to wonder what it would be like in your life if you were to do what those soldiers did, those brave soldiers did, and just let their weapons down and responded to the song of Christmas and stepped in to a risky place because of love and see what happens. Because God's desire is to bring you into his family, regardless of how your family has treated you. And that's what Christmas is about. Could you pray with me? We're so grateful, awesome, gracious God, for this incredulous story. And the eyewitnesses who saw it, experienced it, wrote it down so that we could read it and imagine it and step into it, respond to it. I thank you, Lord, for those brave soldiers on that Christmas Eve and Christmas Day who decided to take the risk. And I'm praying for somebody right now who knows that there's an obstacle that you're wanting to move out of their way so that they can experience you in the fullness of your love this Christmas. Is that you? Then here's a prayer you can pray with me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the perfect present and that God sent you for me. For me? Yes, for you. I believe it, Lord, that you came for me in love. And I want to open my life to open your gift right now. So I'm opening my heart. Come into my life. Bring your peace. Bring your forgiveness. Forgive my sins and fill me with your spirit's presence of joy so that I can own this as my own. I am choosing to follow you now, just tonight to say yes. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, our heads bowed just for a moment longer, and you would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, then I'm gonna invite you, you know, nobody's looking but me, but I'm gonna invite you simply to raise your hand and hold it up long enough so that I can see and then offer my prayers for you. Thank you right here in the middle toward the center, um, right here in the front, God bless you. In the back, God bless you. Over to my right, right here in the front, God bless you. To my right in the middle, amen. And to my left, all the way in the back and right here on the aisle in the front, several hands, God bless you. If I didn't see your hand, okay, in the back again, thank you. If you're joining us online, you can click into the chat and say, I just prayed and we're gonna be there with you. Lord Jesus, we pray for each person who by uplifted hand has said, my heart is open, I'm ready for a new beginning. I believe you love me. And I pray now that they would sense your spirit's joy and peace, the wash of forgiveness and the rise of joy, the joy of their salvation as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.